Yo, <laughs> welcome to episode 49 of the Brooklyn Blast Furnace podcast. This is a weird one. I'm over here now, solo. Now, uh, all right, well, this is weird because Johnny's not here, no guests, it's just me. In my bedroom with a cup of coffee. Um, if those who don't follow on social media and all that, all the bullshit. Um, I don't know. They, if, for a while, when I was booking shows and whatnot, people have told me that uh, I should do spoken word or at least one time. But that's not me. I'm not going to get up on a stage with a whole bunch of people staring at me. Me with a microphone and start fucking jibba-jabbing. Just, I'm just not that guy. But, um... So, I threw it out there on social media if people would like to hear my story. Um... Seems like a lot of people do. Um, it's kind of weird to me in a weird way. It's humbling. I guess it's cool. Um, so I was pretty much convinced by a lot of people that tell me I should go for it and do it. The main reason why I'm doing this um, is because maybe in a weird way, my story can help somebody. It sounds pretentious and it sounds fucking cliche, but sometimes something that's pretentious and cliche is just what it is. Um, so I have a few bullet points. Um, I might, I might veer off and you know, stray from the topics because everybody that listens to this knows that I'm really not prepared for this kind of stuff. But in order to do something like this, I needed some notes. Um, but yeah, um, some people have said that this is a, it's, it's a, a little uh, self-indulgent for me to do this um, or uh, whatever. It's like I'm, I'm not doing this in a selfish way. Um, I'm doing this because, I mean, bottom line is that people are curious about my story. Why? I don't know. Who the fuck knows? I, I, I'm just a fucking uh, a, a guy from fucking Brooklyn who's talking into my phone like a weirdo right now. So, I don't know what the fuck. So, um, some of the shit that I'm going to talk about is funny. Some of the shit that I talk about is... I guess, lack of a better word, kind of sad. And not just because certain things happen to me, but I know it happens to a lot of people. So I'm not a fucking, you know, I'm not a fucking snowflake and not the fucking political version. You know what I'm saying? I'm not, you know, I'm not unique in that way where a lot of people have gone through the same kind of stuff. I'm assuming um, we're all people. So, and we all have histories. Um, 
I don't know if, if anyone gets offended or is appalled by anything that I'm about to say. You know, just kind of, you know, think about your own life and see if you don't have a fucking history or some baggage or whatever. And if you don't, eh, you probably had a boring life. A little sheltered, maybe that guy. Could be. Um, <laughs> this is fucking weird. Um, but listen, it's raw and it's kind of just, it is what it is. So, um, right, here we go, I guess. And, and yes, I am going to start off with the hacky fucking cliche beginning of, uh, yeah. Alright, I was, <laughs> oh god, um, September 5th, 1975, Jimmy fucking Ferrari enters the world, <laughs> um, born and raised, well, born in, uh, Downstate Medical Center, Brooklyn, um, I, uh, I lived in Canarsie, neighborhood in Brooklyn, up until the age of, like, nine, um, it's weird that I don't remember what I ate for lunch yesterday, but I remember my address and my phone number from the first apartment that we lived in. It was uh, 1468 East 93rd Street between Avenue L and M, and my phone number was 718-765-7675, uh, probably because it was really fucking easy, but that's neither here nor there. Um, my, uh, my biological father, his name is also Jimmy. My mother's name is my mother's name was Judy. Rest in peace. I will get into that towards the end of this. Um, I have an older sister, six years older than me. If I would have waited about two more hours to be born, we would have been born on the same day, but six years apart. I'm September fifth, seventy five. <coughs> She's September sixth, sixty nine. But I was born at like 10 to 10 at night. So if I would have waited right after midnight, but I was uncomfortable. I needed my elbow room. So I had to grace you all with my fucking presence. <laughs> God. Um, yeah, grew up on East 93rd Street, went to PS 115 for elementary school. Um, See, like, these are the bullet points that I don't have. It's just like, you know, I'm just going off the top here. So if I'm rambling a little bit, Sorry, you try to do this and see if it's fucking comes together smooth. Um, I um always a good kid. Um, my sister was a slob. Um, I was always good. Like my parents never ever had to tell me to clean my room, and I'm still like that. Um, I'm anal retentive like that. I guess like when I fucking. If I need to go to like DMV and or whatever, and I need to bust out like my birth certificate, I'll tell you exactly where it is. It's not in like some junk drawer somewhere in a closet in a shoebox somewhere. I know exactly where all my shit is, and I was always like that. My sister, on the other hand, slob animal, animal bastard she is, and probably still is to this day. But I'll get more. I'll get more into her later on too, because there's not too many people on the planet that I really fucking don't like. But she's one of them. And yeah, oh, Jesus, oh, that, that, she's a female, and that's your sister, and oh, but she's your family. Nah, listen, can't choose your fucking family. And uh, some of them do really fucked up things. So I'll get to that later. But we were close when we were kids.
Um, my mother, well, actually, my biological father, Jimmy, he uh, he used to work for Merrill Lynch, right next door to the right next to the Twin Towers. Some kind of stocks and bonds shit, but I really don't know. I really could care less because I was a young kid, and who the fuck cares? Every once in a while, I'd go to work with him in Manhattan, and it was cool. Um, uh, my mother, she used to work in retail. Like she used to work in Kings Plaza here in Brooklyn, and she had several different jobs. Um, no quote unquote career or anything like that. Like nobody, nobody had like fucking college educations or anything like that. Um, just regular fucking struggling to get by. I mean, we had clothes and shit, but we didn't have everything. You know, we, we had like a used fucking car that might burn out real father. Like he would, he would like name the cars. I don't know if any of you fucking people, if your parents were burnt out like that, but like my real father would like smoke pot and watch like Jesus Christ Superstar and try to figure out a name for the fucking used yellow station wagon outside. And he wound up naming it Mellow Yellow after like the fucking soda that's been discontinued because it probably caused fucking spleen cancer and lab rats or some shit. And so, uh, yeah, we had, so that was like, uh, so we, we didn't have a lot of shit. But uh, I guess we had enough to get by. But then again, I don't know. If I had a fucking meal and I had some clothes and I had a couple of toys, I was good. Because that's how it was back then. No such thing as phones and all that shit. We I had a fucking stick and it was out. you went outside and I had a fucking stick and I'd dig a hole. And that was my day. You know? And I had fun doing it. Fuck around with earthworms and fucking a magnifying glass and kill ants and shit. Anybody offended by that? Any vegans out there? A little fucking scared? A little, 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 uh, little perturbed? They killed some ants? Sorry. Um, so yeah, I was a good kid. I always just liked to draw. Um, big time into drawing. Um, and it was... Uh, yeah, see, I, I just kind of like went off. like, But I just caught myself. So like while my parents were at work, my sister would like quote unquote babysit me because let's say I was six years old she was 12 so I guess you know back then you know an 11 or a 12 year old had this you know responsibility enough to watch their younger brother all day long while their parents were at work I guess <laughs> sounds crazy now but that's how it was you know I used to walk to school I mean it was only two blocks away around the block but I mean first grade I'd throw on my backpack and fucking my fucking return of the Jedi fucking backpack and fucking walk to school. You know, everybody did it. Um, but she used to watch me, you know, after school and shit like that. But she was like a half an asshole. So she would like she would fucking halfway torture me. And <laughs> it's it's funny now. Um, but like, uh, see, my real father, he, he was in the Marine Corps in 69 and uh he still had his combat boots and uh it, he still had his combat boots in the closet and back in the 70s and shit like the fashion for women was horrendous so my mother had like this fucking it was like this thick wool like rust colored like overcoat with like a black fur collar it was fucking atrocious right so my sister out of boredom and me, I'm probably sitting there drawing at the coffee table in the living room watching fucking, I don't fucking know, the magic garden. And uh, next thing you know, 
a figure comes walking out from like where the bedrooms were. Combat boots on, this fucking jacket with like a chain. I guess it used to be like an eighties, like a like a late seventies, early eighties, like a like a fucking like a belt, like those plastic chain belts. But it was around her neck, like a loose fucking noose, and a stocking over her head. And she would like fucking, she was like, she would say that she was like the intruder and like chase me around the fucking house. And at first, like, I would laugh, you know, like, ah, you're an asshole, you know, blah, blah, whatever. And then after a while, like, she would like pin like my fucking shoulders down and my mind would play tricks on me as like a five, six, seven year old kid. And next thing you know, I'm thinking, like, maybe this really isn't this fucking jerk-off chick, you know? So I'd start getting nervous, and I would panic, and I would fucking lash out. Like, she did that shit a couple of times. Um, there was, like, this fucking white wool hat. A lot of wool fucking garments going on around here for some reason. But, uh... She, there was just, like, this white wool hat that she would pull completely over her head. And since like the yarn or whatever, it was, it was, it was, there was spaces in between. So if she pulled it tight, like it would separate and she'd be able to see out of it somewhat. And she would chase me around and she would call herself the albino <laughs> and she would chase me around. But then she'd get all fucking mad when I lashed out and fucking hit her. And we used to brawl, brawl big time. Like no joke. Like. We would hit, be hitting each other like back and forth, like like in the middle of the squared circle, but with like fucking foreign objects. Like I remember distinctly, vividly, like I'm sitting at my my desk, like this little desk I had in my room, and we got into a fight over some stupid shit. And she had a spatula in her hand, and I had a fucking sneaker, and we're just exchanging shots, just beating the shit out of each other while my parents were not home. The fucking wars that would go on were crazy um still to this day she has a lump on the bridge of her nose because i hit her in the face with a piece of fake dog shit true fucking story she was fucking with me somehow she was like a bully like your big fucking bully fucking broad so like like stop picking on your little fucking brother so i fucking you know you know that's a fucking you know teach her a lesson i guess so I hit her in the face with a fucking piece of fake dog shit. Um, she still has the lump on her nose. Um, there was another time where she fucking, I don't like, I don't remember obviously what the fuck started all these fucking, you know, fights and whatnot. But once again, I was drawing and she fucking did something and set me to fuck off. And I guess like out of instincts, I fucking stabbed her in the leg with a pencil. And the pencil point broke off in, like, I think it's her left thigh. And still to this day, this is, bro, I was, like, fucking, I don't know, six or seven years old when I did this. She's six years older than me now. I'm 42, so she's, like, fucking 49. She still has that pencil point in her leg. She tried to get it out with, like, a needle and tweezers and shit. No dice. I got it in there. Good. You were so See, you might fuck with me. But there'll always be something that you'll fucking remember me by. <laughs> but yeah. So, uh, shit. Um, 
at that time, I uh, started being, getting big into like wrestling and, uh, you know, all the, obviously all the New York stuff. Like I would get all the stuff from Madison Square Garden, like superstars of wrestling on Saturday morning at like 10 o'clock. I was big into it. My mother used to buy me all the magazines and stuff because she used to work in King's Plaza. So whenever they would come out, she'd bring me like Pro Wrestling Illustrated and all this stuff. And I was always excited for whatever day, whatever day it was. As soon as she'd walk in the door, they'd like, get me a new magazine. So I was big into wrestling. And um, I remember, I mean, there's so much stuff. If I, if I sat and wrote a book and I had to put everything out there, obviously this is the abridged version of all that stuff because it would be a nine-hour podcast. Um, and I got shit to do later. Um, so wrestling, um, so my father gets us, um, tickets to Madison Square Garden and that actual, that actual fucking, that actual card is actually on YouTube. I remember the main event was Hulk Hogan versus Big John Stud, And, uh, it was me, my father, and his fucking scumbag piece of shit brother, my uncle Ronnie. Um. Uh. So we go to the we go to the garden, and I remember I got he got me one of those big foam number one fucking hand deals, and it was awesome. And I fucking watched like the fucking Wild Samoans, and Captain Lou Albano was there, and Dick Murdoch and Adrian Adonis, and it was awesome. And it was like one of the best times in my early fucking days. So we wind up going back and uh, we wind up going back to the house and the house is empty. Yeah, there's all the furniture and shit, but there's nobody home. My sister and my mother were gone. Um, walk over, he, he, my, my father walks over to the dining room table and there's a note with like, I think her, it was like two rings and like a bracelet or something like that. The, the, the little tiny, tiny amount of jewelry that my mother had at the time with a note basically saying, basically, I don't remember exactly obviously what it said, but basically it's like, uh, this shit is a, it's a fucking rap and I'm fucking, I'm out of here. And that's that. Um, which looking back at it, I mean, it's the first fucking, I know that she did it for legitimate reasons, but I can't wrap my head around walking out on my kid. You know what I mean? Um, I just can't, I just can't do that. Like I can't, I can't wrap my head around doing this, something like that, but I'm sure she had her reasons and I guess they were strong enough in her head in order to make that decision. Um, I didn't take it, like, I know I don't take it personally, but as a little kid, that was fucking pretty jarring, you know? Um, it was like the highlight of my fucking little fuck as a kid, and then I come home, and mom's gone, and, eh, you know, it wasn't cool. I mean, my, my, my father was a fucking, he, he I mean, he was, he was pretty abusive, you know, I mean, he was verbally and physically abusive, you know, I mean, I used to get cracked, you know, um, for, for, for pretty much no reason at all, depending on his mood. Um, my mother was not that way. My mother was more the quiet type not to fucking make waves and 
keep peace and all that. You know, maybe it was you know one of her the faults, one of her faults. I mean, and I'll I'll get into that later on too. Um, maybe she should have made some waves at some points in her life. Um, um, all right, if you hear any kind of like bings and dings and whatnot, sorry. I mean, I'm doing this on my phone, and I don't know. I don't know how to make the settings so that, you know, if I get a fucking Facebook message or tagged in something that the fucking sound won't come through. Maybe you don't, maybe you're not hearing it. Maybe you are. Sorry. So, all right. So mom bounces and uh, then we decide to, well, we wind up eventually moving out. Me and my father, we moved from at the time. We had moved from the 93rd Street apartment to the to East 84th Street when that happened. This is all within only a few years. And then uh, we moved to Rockaway in Queens. 191 Beach, 114th Street. My phone number was 9453308. I don't know how the fuck I remember, but I do. Um, so we moved. We were, in between, we were in between Rockaway Beach Boulevard and the beach. And it was cool, except... My fucking father was a, he was an asshole. He was a scumbag. He was a drinker. He was a cokehead. He was a pothead. And he used to fucking bang anything with two legs, a hole in a heartbeat. You know, he would fucking, you know, he was like a fucking hooer. And um, so there was me, nine, 10 years old. This is, all right, so let me give you a time frame. I'm going to say we moved there in like 85. So since my birthday is September of 85, it is in September. So I was probably nine. You know, unless it's the end of the summer, you get what I'm saying. Um, so we lived there, little small apartment, um, shitty neighborhood, all white trash. Um, but I guess it was kind of fitting. Uh, so he would he, eventually he, did, he eventually he was like hardly ever there. Like he would go to work and he'd come home and he would disappear. He would disappear with my uncle, his scumbag fucking brother, Ronnie. And there was just me. I had one of those little metal ball chains around my neck with my key. You know, I would come and go as I pleased. Um, I would walk to school. I would take the bus to school. I would come home. Um, we had no money. There was never anything in the fucking refrigerator except for, like, condiments. You know? Um, he would fucking... See, I can't wrap my head around doing any of this, like, to my daughter or any... Just, just in general. Um... Like, he'd be like, oh, like, he would, there would be a fucking bag of fucking Heineken beer bottles. And he'd be like, hey, bring these over to the deli and you return them for the five cent deposit and you get something to eat. So, but a lot of times I wouldn't even do that. Like, I was too embarrassed to do that. So, in order not to get in trouble from him, I would take those bottles and go down the block and just dump them in the garbage and put the fucking... The, the garbage can that the bottles were in back in the house. And he'll ask me, oh, you got, oh, yeah, 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 I got something to eat. But I didn't. I don't know. I was 10, yeah, and I was hungry, but there was a sense of pride, I guess. And I, I was just too embarrassed. I, I didn't want everybody to know that this is how I was living, you know? I had, like, two pairs of jeans, a pair of sneakers, you know, maybe fucking four shirts, maybe, you know? Not cool because everything was going up his nose and he was pissing everything out. So that went on for a while and uh, he got way more abusive. Um, 
it wasn't a fun time for me. Uh, I'd be scared. I'll be honest with you. Um, I would be home and I would look at the clock and I would be like, all right, well, I know he's coming home soon from work, but I didn't know what to expect. He could be normal or he could be fucked up and in a mood. And when he was in a mood, wasn't fucking cool. So I'd be nervous and I'm fucking up in school. I'm being rebellious. I'm out. I'm fucking, I'm getting into trouble as a little kid. I'm doing stupid little kid shit. You know, fucking throwing fucking rocks at fucking buses that are fucking driving by. And just there's a whole there was a whole gang of wild fucking white trash kids running around. And I was running with them. Um, no parental supervision. There was nothing. And like I said before, there was no video. Yeah, if you had Atari or the first Nintendo, you were lucky. If you had more than one TV in your house, you were fucking lucky. You know, I had one TV. And we had a VCR. I was like the fucking man on the block because I had a VCR. Um, but yeah, we would fucking, we, we would play manhunt for hours upon hours upon hours and like just be out. But um, so yeah, so I'm fucking up in school and my teacher decides that she's going to put me on what they call the progress report. So back then when you're just in one classroom in an elementary school, they'd be like, you know, let's just say that there's nine things throughout the day, nine subjects that we all take care of in that day. And my teacher would write them down and she would make a check mark next to the ones that I completed. And I would have to get it signed by my father every day. So I'm like, fuck that. Like this fucking, yeah, there's seven things going on over there. You're lucky if I'm doing fucking three of them, you know? Um, so what I would do, I'd forge my fucking father's signature to stay out of trouble. Forge that shit. And I did it for fucking months. Now, I don't know if, you, if, if you're old enough to remember or if maybe it's a regional thing. But there was a fucking commercial that used to come on TV. And it was something about, something to the effect of, did you check your children's homework? Something like that. Like, did you make sure that, you know, how's your kid doing in school? You should check his homework. And I would be, if he was home and I was sitting there and we had the TV on, the fear that I would have in the back of my head, if we were watching something and the commercial started coming on, bro, if that commercial came on, I would have a half a heart attack because then all of a sudden, because he was half oblivious anyway, but if he saw that commercial, he'd be like, hey, Jim, let me see your books. You know, let me see what you're doing in school. And... That happened one night, and fuck, man. Um, he, I gave him my book, and what I did was I the the progress report was stapled in the back of my blue fucking binder. I don't know if you remember those binders; it almost looked like denim with the three rings. So I kind of just gave it to him, and I jumped in the shower to kind of just get out of the room. And I get out of the shower, I go into my room, I get dressed, I come out, and he found the fucking progress report in the back of my fucking book. And still to this day, I've been in a few fucking scuffles, I've been in bar brawls, I've been in fucking crazy shit, cops, this, that. It was definitely the worst beating I fucking took in my life. Um piece of shit 
I mean, the guy was a Marine. He's fucking 6'2", probably 230 pounds, and I'm 10 years old. Literally, literally threw me around the room. Um, Closed fist punches in my face, my legs. It was bad. It was really bad. Um, I had bruises all over me. Um, I had bruises on my face. Um, I go into school like the next day. Teacher like didn't even notice. So even if she did, she didn't say nothing. And I even said it like, and I didn't, I, I, I kind of also didn't want to rat. Like I can't rat. So it's like, I wanted somebody to know that I was living like this, but then again, I'm not going to be the one to say it, you know? So I kind of hinted, I was like, oh, like my face hurts or some shit like that. Nothing fell on deaf ears, but, uh, so yeah, and that happened a couple of times, but that beaten was the one that stands out big time. Um, um, all right. So at the, around this time, my, my mother meets my stepfather, who's another fucking piece of shit, fucking piece of work, scumbag jerk off fuck face. Um, I'll get to him too. In more ways than one. Um, so she meets him, and at this time, I re I vaguely remember going to court once or twice. I don't even remember exactly what the reasoning was. It was obviously something to do with custody, or maybe they were finalizing their divorce, something like that. I don't know, but or maybe it was custody. Yeah, that's probably what it was because I wound up being able to see my mother um, every once every other week on Sunday. So it was basically, you know, like two days to like two days a month. I'd be able to see her, which sucked because she was the safe place. She was the place where there was no drama. There was no drugs. There was no turmoil. There was no abuse. There was nothing. So every other Sunday I would go see her. Um, I met Ronnie, not my uncle Ronnie. This hopefully it doesn't get confusing. Now, we're gonna we're gonna take Uncle Ronnie and we're gonna forget that what I even mentioned him because whenever I mention Ronnie now from this point, that's my stepfather. Okay. Also known as Ronnie Cigars, who sounds funny, but that's a legit nickname, and I'll get to him <laughs> eventually. Um, so, all right. So, yeah, custody. Um, I, I hated, I loved, I loved the, the, I looked forward to the weekends where I went to go see her. Um, she was living with Ronnie in Bergen Beach in Brooklyn, 1444 East 71st Street. Um, and I had a little tiny shitty fucking apartment in Rockaway and this was, this was another apartment, but it was nice. It was big. It was open. It was, it was light colors. It was new furniture. It was, it was just, it was like almost like night and day. And it was cool because there was always food in the refrigerator and, you know, and it was my mother and listen, it sounds corny, but I'll be the first one to tell you, I was a fucking mama's boy, man. Like I say it a lot too. You know, you could have fucking 500 fathers, but you only get one mother. And if she's not a fucking crackhead piece of shit, you should respect your mom. 
Um, so, yeah, so I'm visiting her. This goes on for about, I don't know, maybe, I don't know, maybe eight months, six to eight months or something like that. And um, I remember meeting Ronnie, my stepfather, and he sat down next to me. And the first thing as a little kid, because I came from such fucked up shit, one of the first things I asked this guy, because he pulled up in a Lincoln and he had pinky rings on and he had fucking like those big fucking at the time, like the big shades, like fucking Ace Rothstein and Casino De Niro wears those big fucking Kardashian looking glasses. He looked like an owl. He had like those things on. Like, look at this fucking guy. So one of the first things I asked him, I don't know, innocent fucking stupid question. I asked him, I was like, hey, are you, are you rich? And he looked at me, he gave me some stupid fucking hallmark fucking greeting fucking response. Like, like oh, hey, you know, you don't need money to be rich. You know, you need family and love or some fucking jerk off fucking cookie cutter nonsense. So that should have been a red flag right there. This guy's a fucking dick. Um... So, um, <laughs> make a long story short, just to get past this part, because this, this, I'm going to segue because my mother and Ronnie asked me to ask my real father if I can go to Disney world, um, for a week for vacation. Now all bets were like, there's no way that he's going to fucking let us go. Let, let me go. But I asked him. And he's like, when? And I told him the dates. And he was like, yeah, you can go. Me and my mother were shocked. Um, so I go to Disney World. Um, and my father gave me a note saying, I remember it vividly, um, call me Saturday at 8 o'clock. So I guess this is like a week, you know, the, the Saturday at 8 o'clock was like the day before we were supposed to come home from Disney World. So go to Disney World, have fun. You know, it was the first time I was ever on a plane. I'm in Florida. I was never in Florida. Disney World for the first time. Cool. Um sitting in a restaurant, me, my sister Ronnie and my mother sitting in a restaurant and I completely forgot. My mother looked at me and she said, Jim, what do you gotta do? I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. She's like, what do you gotta do at eight o'clock or else your vacation is probably gonna wind up turning bad. Meaning when I get home I'm gonna get in trouble if I don't do this. She's like, you need to call your father. I was like, oh, shit, that's right. So I have a couple. My mother gives me a couple of quarters, you know, pay phone style. Um, a couple of quarters out of her bag. Me and my sister go to these, these uh, pay phones in the lobby or wherever, the lobby of the hotel, of the restaurant, wherever the fuck we were. Call them up and make a long story short. Basically, my, I, my father answers the phone. And I don't remember the exact conversation, but the only part of the conversation that I remember is the one that counts. And that's when he said... He's like, Jimmy, I love you, but when you come back here, I'm not going to be here. Well, that kind of puts a damper on my fucking good time now, doesn't it? You know, it's just weird. You know, go to wrestling, have a great time with him, come home, mom bounces. Go to Disney World with my mother, have the greatest time ever, dad bounces. Hmm. Kind of gives me a... uh I don't know. I don't know if the right word is a, a trust fucking uh, issue there when it comes to adults. And I don't know. Uh, you know, I don't know. So what happens is we uh, 
I'm crying. Because, yo, like, I don't know what the fuck to do. You know what I mean? I'm a fucking little kid. Um, so, sorry, I'm making myself another cup of coffee because I'm rifling through it. I'm talking to you people. So if you hear these, you know, you know, this is, uh, this is what happens. This isn't scripted. So, me and, uh, me and Ronnie eventually... Uh, well, actually, hold on. Uh, I go back. I go back to the fucking to the restaurant to the table, and I'm crying. And my sister basically says that you know Jimmy said that he's not going to be there when when Jimmy gets home, and that's that. And I'm crying. And then I look back and what a scumbag thing to say. It's like Ronnie's sitting there, and he's looking at me, and he tells me right off the bat fucking red flags all over the place he tells me right off the bat stop crying it's embarrassing what you fucking fat jerk off you know my father leaves but god forbid I cry because you're embarrassed you selfish entitled scumbag so he's like you're gonna come live with us alright good great grand we uh we go to fucking uh let me see if it's still recording. Yeah. We, I go to my house, my, my, the Rockaway house to collect whatever little fucking little things I had. And I wind up moving. He buys a house in Canarsie, um, 672 East 78th street between Glenwood and Farragut. Um, buy a house there. I have my own room. Everything's cool. Don't hear from my real father. Because eventually I found out that Ronnie went there and kind of threatened his life. And he pretty much bounced out of the picture. Um, so, living there, uh, the new house, with my mother, with my sister, with my stepfather. Everything's cool because everything is calm. Um, Ronnie has money. Um, always had the new Lincoln or the new Cadillac. It's very, um, very stereotypical, and without naming what he does, I think that eventually you'll, 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 you'll get the gist. Um, I mean, come on, put it together. Pinky ring, cigars, nickname Ronnie Cigars, originally from Bensonhurst, you know, with dress shoes, with fucking... With $500 jeans on. <laughs> what a dick. Um, yeah. So I start going to uh, Bildersey Junior High School, which is on 80th, East 80th Street and Flatlands Avenue. Um, I signed up for karate school, which was awesome. Kang System Taekwondo. Jimmy fucking karate chops over here. Um, it was awesome. Um, he was, uh, my instructor's name was Master Kang. And I'm friends with him on Facebook, and I got to fucking meet up with him like fucking 25 years later at a bar and have a few beers with him. And I really looked up to that guy because my real father was a scumbag, and Ronnie was just a guy who was providing shit. Like, I never had, a, like, feelings of calling him fucking dad, even though I did to appease my mother. I wrote him a card. It was, like, on a Father's Day or something, and I kind of asked him permission you know, would you mind if I called you dad? And he cried like a baby. But uh, 
I didn't do it because it was sincere. I did it because that's what my mother would have wanted. That's what my mother wanted. So I did it for my mother. Um, but I looked up to my, my fucking, my instructor, Master Kang. He was a great guy. I was all into karate. Um, I went there for a couple of years. Um, and I got to my belt, one belt right before a black belt. And, um, but he gave me guidance and I, I was there all the time. Like there'd be like fucking four or five classes a day. And I would be there from right after school till, you know, I had to come home for dinner every day. Um, so, all right, where do I go next? Um, my sister, she, she was a fucking, she was a fucking dirty fucking, she was like a dirty metalhead groupie broad. You know, oh, I got to get my hair do like John Bond fucking Jovi and get highlights and get my hair do frosted and wear fucking jerk off snakeskin boots and, and make my own clothes with safety pins. So if I fucking sit a certain way, you could see my asshole, you know, oh, that's a little extreme, but you get it. I guess that's the whole point, right? Dressed like a hua, you know, yeah. But, uh, yeah, so she's all drinking and fucking, she's a mess, and she caused a few scenes in the house that my stepfather wasn't fucking happening. You know, he was not having it. Um, she wound up going to rehab Dynamite Youth Center. I don't think it's there anymore. It used to be on Coney Island Avenue, but she went up, she went to rehab, and she went up to Fallsburg, New York, for a while, I remember visiting her there because she was a train wreck. Um, so that might have been a little bit before. I don't. A lot of this shit is, um, you know, it's it's kind of scrambled, man. I'm 42. I'm talking about when I was fucking 12. Um, all right. So we'll fast forward a little bit to uh, the neighborhood in Canarsie was good for uh, good for a little while. Um, then it wound up getting bad. I lived, I lived around the block from the, uh, I lived around the block from the Glenwood Projects. Shout out to Gore-Tex and Ill Bill and Nonfiction and all those dudes. Um, so after, after, uh, after Bill to see junior high school, I went to, uh, South Shore. South Shore was a fucking, it was, the, that was like the school version of fucking gladiator school, man. It was fucking bananas in there. Um, but I remember... I don't know if you guys remember, but there was task force jackets before eight ball jackets. There was task force. And I remember my mother got me. It was a, one of the Christmas gifts. I used to get Christmas was awesome at that time. I ate 9,000 things, but uh, I had a black and blue leather fucking task force jacket and me and my friend Jeremy Camisso rest in peace. I know he died at an early age. I wasn't friends with him at the time. We grew apart, but it was something like cancer related or something horrible like that um we i was leaving my house and we were going somewhere and as i'm as i'm walking down the block i see two guys standing on the corner and i forgot my keys or some shit so i turn around with jeremy and fucking i hear one of the guys say to the other guy like something and i'm like i have a feeling this is going to be a fucking problem so the guy comes and he fucking grabs my jacket and he's like, yo, fucking run your jacket. And I'm like, yo, go fuck yourself. And I turn around and he has a fucking gun pointed at my legs. So I'm like, ah, oh, Jesus fucking Christ, really? So, all right, so I'm taking off my jacket and I give it to him and I turn around and Jeremy is fucking 
hightailing it down the block to go get my fucking stepfather. And uh, at the time, his Lincoln was robbed right out of the fucking driveway. And for some reason, this big fat fucking gagooch fucking guy had a rent-a-car, but it was like a Trans Am. It's like, come on, man. It's like taking a potato and trying to shove it into a shot glass. You know, that's what it looked like, this guy. He was like a big thumb. That's what he looked like with a mustache at the time. So I'm running. He runs, and I go fucking running back, run, running behind Jeremy, and we get my father, and he's. I was like, yo, I just got fucking robbed at gunpoint, blah, blah, blah. So he runs upstairs, and he comes running downstairs, and he's loading his fucking gun. So we, me, he tells Jeremy to stay here. Me and him jump in this fucking Trans Am or Corvette or some shit like that. And everybody that he saw, he's like, is that him? Is that them? Is that them? And they were gone. Kind of glad that they were gone. Take the fucking jacket. You know what I mean? Because if he would have saw him, he probably would have shot him right in the middle of the street, right in front of me. Um, so that was kind of a sign that we need to get out of there. So, Ronnie Cigars, I guess, making moves, if you want to call it. Big fucking deals, you know? Big moves, big guy, you know? He, uh, he, uh, we wind up buying a house in Howard Beach. 16020 79th Street, 6410255. Um, so, we moved to Howard Beach. I wasn't really a fan at first, because I have no friends in Howard Beach. I don't know what the fuck's going on, you know? Um, so I wanted to move into Howard Beach. Big, huge, beautiful house. Marble this, mirrors everywhere. All basically shit, hey, look what I have type of bullshit. That really didn't impress me. I was never a fucking materialistic person at all. I didn't come from that, you know? So it was like, all right, yeah, great. It's, it's nice, you know, uh, it's mint, but whatever. Um... So moved there, wound up going to John Adams High School, meet a whole bunch of other new friends. My boy Danny, who I'm still, who's one of my best friends to this day. My boy Vinny, who, uh, my, he has, he has two girls, he has two twins, and my daughter knows them now too, so it's fucking awesome. Um, there's the, Vinny's cousin James, who I'm not friends with anymore, but we were tight at one point. And my friend Matt, who died of an overdose in like 2002. We were all tight. Um, but I had, I had two separate groups of friends. I had my Howard Beach friends, like, as I got older, you know, I, I had my Howard Beach friends, I would talk about older, I'm talking like, I don't know what I'm fucking, 17, you know, I had my Howard Beach friends and I had my Brooklyn friends, so, sometimes I would be, I would stay hanging out in Howard Beach, and sometimes I would fucking take the train or get a ride and I would hang out in Brooklyn. Um... My sister lived in Howard Beach for a little while, too, but then she eventually she moved out and got her own apartment in Marine Park in Brooklyn, which comes into play. Um, shit. Wow, I'm going, this is fucking 47 minutes in, and I'm like, Jesus Christ. Hope you guys are on board. Um, um, all right, so Howard Beach. I lost my fucking train of thought here. But, um... All right, well, all right. I wound up going to John Adams, hanging out with a bunch of people, um, you know, my new friends and this and that, writing graffiti, drinking 40s, fucking smoking pot, um, you know, fucking 
my sister was older she, since, uh, you know, my sister brought me out like to the first bar that I was ever out at on my 15th birthday because she turned 21 when I turned 15. So we went to fucking Vic's Moonbeam on Flatbush Avenue. And she was, she always said, when I turn 21, I'm going to take my brother out for a beer. And she did that. Um, so all, at the time, all my friends, all my Brooklyn friends were older than me. They were all my sister's age group. I was always the young kid with all the older people around me. Um, so that's when, you know, I don't know, about 17, I'm starting to go out and party. Now I'm starting to party hard, you know, like, you know, obviously, you know, you start smoking weed and you start drinking beers and shit like that. But then at the time, we're talking early 90s. So there was a lot of acid going around and fucking a lot of ecstasy and fucking smoking crazy Eddie Angel dust and shit like that. Which I think back now, it's fucking insane. Like, I was fucking, really? I'm on the fucking train by myself in the early 90s. The only white boy to go to fucking Harlem to 116th and Lennox to go fucking cop crazy out of angel dust out of a burnt out building. What the fuck? You know? But I wasn't scared, you know? You're invincible when you're 17. At least back then we were invincible. Now you're 17, you might be a little fragile. Might be a little whiny. Who knows? But maybe it's better off that way. Maybe you're a little safer. Because I don't want my daughter to be fucking the way I was. That's for shit sure. Um, so, yeah. Uh, I'm getting into a lot of trouble. I'm getting into bar brawls. Most of them were over my sister and her friend Laura. Melissa and Laura were fucking notorious on Flatbush Avenue for being the fucking... See, Laura was, Laura was attractive. My sister, she fucking wasn't. But she was like the bruiser. It was like the mouth and the fucking muscle. And Laura was a half a hoa. And fucking my sister was a mouth. A drunken fucking mouth. So put those two together. You get some drunken idiot fucking talking to fucking Laura. And then my sister who has a complex of herself... Uh, you know, oh, what the fuck are you doing? Blah, 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 blah. Like a fucking girl version of fucking Tootie from Goodfellas. And next thing you know, there's fucking bar brawls. And next thing you know, there's fucking, there's all kinds of shit. And I'm involved because it's my sister. Even though I fucking don't like her, it's my sister. You know, so there was so many fucking times where there was fucking bar brawls and cops involved and... I don't know how many times I was cracked with a 40 bottle because of this fucking girl. People that know me know the stories. I can't get into them because I'll be here for fucking two hours just talking about just just bar brawls at Vic's Moonbeam on Flappish Avenue, especially over my sister and this fucking idiot, Laura. So I'm getting into a lot of trouble and I'm like, all right, what the fuck am I going to do in my life? I wind up joining the Air Force. Um, join the Air Force. Um, I get to boot camp. What the fuck did I do? So I wound up going. Um, I could never hold a straight face, you know? Um, so there's like this fucking five foot five fucking drill instructor with the Smokey the Bear hat on. And he's screaming at me. And my last name is Ferrari. And I'm from Brooklyn. I'm in fucking San Antonio, Texas in boot camp right now. I kind of stick out a little bit, you know? Not that I want to, because ah, everyone shut the fuck up and get away from me. I don't want to talk to nobody. 
But it just comes with the territory. <coughs> so, oh, man. Uh, you know how many fucking times? These asshole fucking... Uh, Ferrari, with a last name like that, you'd sure do move pretty fucking slow. Blah, blah, blah. Oh, Ferrari, oh yeah, where you from? Uh, and, and me, of course, I'm not just going to say New York, sir. You know, I got to be half an asshole. Uh, I say Brooklyn, New York. And then, of course, because they watch TV, they don't fucking get it. They're like, oh yeah, is my car safe in the parking lot with you in my Air Force? Like, is my car going to be there later? Like, I'm going to rob it? Like, get the fuck out of here. I see, but I would get in trouble because... You would have to stand there and not laugh. Like, you have to stand there, like, at attention with a straight face. I'm ripping the insides of my fucking cheek and lips off with my teeth, trying not to laugh in this guy's face, looking down at this fucking guy who's yelling up at me. What the fuck? How did I get here? You know? What the fuck? Staff Sergeant Yankovic. We always used to call him Staff Sergeant Yank my cock. That's what we used to call him. Oh, it's pretty fitting. So, get through boot camp. It was cool. Um, fuck. This might have to be a fucking two fucking parter, man. Um, maybe. We'll see. Um, so, yeah. Um, I wind up. I wind up becoming. Um, sounds crazy, but uh, I wind up becoming a jet engine mechanic. Um, I, I left Lackland Air Force Base, San Antonio, Texas. Um, then I went right up to Wichita Falls, Texas, to Shepard Air Force Base, where I learned how to turn wrenches on on jet jet uh, jet engines, um, which was torture. I fucking hate school. Hated school. Got my GED. Forgot that part. Um, got my GED. Bounced. Joined the military, and then that's you know we're here now. Um, Go to Shepard Air Force Base, learn that shit. I go home on leave for two weeks before I go to my first duty station, which was in Clovis, New Mexico, Cannon Air Force Base, which was torture. Um, and it was weird because my 21st birthday fell on the Friday that I got home on leave. And it was the same exact weekend that Tupac died. Yeah, there you go. Let's put time in place. Um so yeah, I went home for two weeks, then I went to Cannon Air Force Base, where I kind of should have stayed because I didn't get in trouble at Cannon. I still actually talked to a few people from 1996 that uh, I haven't seen since then, but I still talk to them because I was stationed with them over 20 years ago, 22 years ago. I still talk to them. Um, it was cool. Um, this podcast, I mean, I, I could talk, I could make an entire podcast just out of the Air Force. Um, but... There is a pertinent fucking spot, you know, with the Air Force that I need to say. Uh, I uh, I wound up leaving Cannon Air Force Base. I get orders to go to uh, Elmendorf Air Force Base in Anchorage, Alaska. Um, so I had a choice. Either stay at Cannon in, in New Mexico, but I'll probably do my whole four years there. Or get the fuck out of there and go to Alaska. I'm like, fuck it. See ya. I'm going to Alaska. People were laughing at me. But it's like one of the best kept fucking secrets in the Air Force. Believe it or not, it's actually fucking really fucking fun. Um, especially if you drink. And if you're one of these fucking half a hillbilly fishermen and shit like that, then you'll have a fucking ball up there. Um, me? Fuck that. Yeah, I'll fish at the lake, you know, but eh, when I was like fucking 12. Um... 
Oh yeah, that's something. Yeah, all right, yeah. Well, I'll have to get back to that. Um, so, fuck me. Sorry. Um, Air Force, Alaska. Yeah. So I go up to Alaska. It was fucking fun. Um, I was drinking like, and you can't do drugs, obviously, but they tell you first day of boot camp and they drill it into your head. It's like, it's, it's, it's to the point where it's annoying that they have a zero tolerance policy for any kind of drug use. Zero tolerance. Don't give a fuck. Don't care who you are. Don't care who you know. Don't care where you're from. Don't give a fuck. If you come up with dirty piss, you're done. You're out. So I go up to Alaska Wind up hanging out with a bunch of guys. Um, a couple of them were actually in my fucking uh, in my tech school class down in, in Wichita Falls a couple of years before. And I'm drinking like a fucking like out of control because, um, you know, you can't do anything else. You know, I'm in Alaska. I'm having fun. I'm living in the dorms. I'm fucking six thousand miles away from home. So I'm fucking drinking, man. Um so I wind up hooking up with a couple of guys and we fucking next thing you know, you know, we all wound up trusting each other and we start smoking pot and this, that and the other thing. Make a long story short with all that. One day, um, see, my mother was the fucking best. Rest in peace, ma. Um, she would send me pizza from Brooklyn. Legit pizza from Lenny and John's on Flappish Avenue to Alaska next day air she would go there she would get a brand new pie she would let it cool off she would put it in the freezer slice by slice first thing in the morning she would mail it out guaranteed next day air I would get it the next day in Alaska I would open it there'd still be a little tiny bit of fucking ice on the top of it I do it right in the oven fucking pie is not even 24 hours old brand new fucking Brooklyn pizza in Alaska it cost my mother like a hundred dollars to send it like that um so the reason why I say that is because there was a guy, his name was Mike, and he was in my he was in my room. He was in my room when I got a pizza delivery, and I told him, listen, I'll give you a slice of pizza. I'm not giving nobody else a slice of pizza, but don't be a jerk off. Don't put it in the microwave. Put it in the oven, and you'll have a legitimate, fucking authentic slice of Brooklyn pizza. So he's in my room, and I'm giving it to him. There's a knock on my door. I open the door. Now, I'm on a military base, so I, not, I open the door, and there's a guy with a fucking hat on and a goatee. All right, well, this guy fucking sticks out, um, and he flashes a badge, and I don't really look at it, and he's like, yeah, I'm looking for Airman Ferrari, and I looked at him with an attitude because I, I always have a mouth. I'm like, yeah, you're looking at him. Who are you? And as I said that, Mike is like, dude, that's at Office of Special Investigations. That's at OSI. Um... So, I'm like, oh, yeah? And? He's like, ah, oh, you know, uh, you know, I just got to ask you a couple of questions, blah, blah, blah. Make a long story short, one of the guys that I was fucking smoking pot with wound up getting busted with a dirty piss test and ratted everybody out who he was smoking with. Yeah. Um, so, there I am. I'm like, all right. What the fuck will we do now? Like, he, I didn't say anything because I didn't know exactly what it was about. So he brings me uh, to the OSI building on the other side of Elmendorf. And uh, he tried to fucking, it's like, yo, man, you're not going to fucking work me, man. Like, I'm not, I'm not stupid. So he 
I will never forget it. I'm sitting there and there's a desk behind me with nobody sitting at it. And on the uh, looking straight ahead, there's a computer in the corner of the room. There's a little desk to my left. The guy who brought me there is sitting at the computer. Then another guy comes in with like a Ziploc freezer bag with like those two inch cassette tapes inside of it. And a piece, he just did it. And there's a piece of masking tape on the bag and it says Ferrari on it. So I'm sitting there, I'm like, hey, what the fuck are we here for? So the guy goes, the guy who brought me in goes, uh, we know that you've been smoking, but we're not sure if you've been dealing marijuana on and off Elmendorf Air Force Base. I was like, first of all, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Second of all, I have a question for you. And he's like, oh yeah? And I was like, this guy over here who just walked in with the fucking bag, I'm like, yo, is that supposed to be like me on those tapes? Cause I see my name on there with a bag of cassette tapes. And he's like, yeah. I'm like, all right. First of all, I call bullshit. First uh, and second of all, if you play me one of those tapes right now, and that's me on a tape, I'll, I'll admit that that's me. He fucking said nothing. So I'm like, all right, so this, uh, you can't do that, huh? You can't, you're not allowed to do that under the allegations, which makes no fucking sense. Okay, cool. Two, both of you can go fuck yourself and I want an Air Force lawyer. Period. I know my rights. I want an Air Force lawyer. I'm saying dick to both of you. So now while I'm fucking signing this fucking shit, waiving my fucking right to fucking, you know, to write a fucking report or a statement, I say, fuck you. I'm saying, dick, go fuck yourself. So while I'm doing that, there's fucking one, two, three, there's four other guys. It was six of us total, four other guys in the same building that all got picked up within a few minutes of each other, but we didn't see each other. There's four other guys fucking singing on everybody. There's me and this one kid, Tony, who didn't say fucking dick. Because I have, I have all the paperwork still. And everybody except for me and Tony sang on everybody. So there was no getting out of it. Because under, also under the allegations, I had to take a piss test right then and there. So I pissed. Came up fucking hot as fuck. Filthy. Filthy, I came up. So, so you know that was it was basically a rap. You know, I fucking I, I was I was getting thrown out. Um, took me a long time to fucking. It took us well. They, they held us for about six months. Um, took me a long time to get like the fucking balls up because I didn't want to fucking let my mother down. Took me a long time to fucking call her. To let her know that I fucked up. You know? Um, I got really good and fucking hammered. And I was drinking fucking a bottle of Smirnoff Citrus Twist. Out of the bottle. And a 40 ounce of Mickey's Ice. And a box of Marlboro. And I was alone in my room. And I called her. And it destroyed her. But I had to. Because I was coming home. You know? I needed to fucking... So what she did though... She always did. Whenever I, whenever there would be cut cards at, in the mail, you know, she would fucking always hide them. If there was the recording that would fucking happen on the phone where, you know, oh, your son was absent from school, she would pretend like it was a friend of hers and she would hang up. She would never tell my stepfather anything that I did that was wrong. 
um, he thought that I fucking graduated high school. My sister faked up a fucking fake diploma just in case he asked on some old fucking horrible fucking computer that we had for the time. Um, you know, uh, so my mother protected me a lot. And I don't know, maybe it was like, maybe I, I can't really speak for her, but maybe it was like her guilt, maybe, because she knew that she bounced on me as a kid. So she's trying to make up for it in a weird way, I guess. I don't know. I don't know, I'm just thinking. Um, you know, so we had to come up with a plan. Um, Ronnie Cigars would fucking have a shit fit and never let anybody live it down. Um, you know, never let, never let anybody live it down if, you know, he found out that I was thrown out of the Air Force. Like, that's a big deal, you know? So we, me, my mother, and my sister contrived the fucking whole plan. Um, I was moving back, and I would have to fucking I would be I'm back in Brook I'm back in Brooklyn living in my sister's apartment. Um, I don't know where she lived at the time, Gravesend, West Ninth Street, and uh. I'd be living there, but I would call the house in Howard Beach, and I would have to fucking look at the newspaper to see what the what the what like the temperature was and the weather in Alaska. Because when my fucking stepfather asked me, I would be, have to be able to give him proper information, and I would also have to think about the time. There's a four-hour time difference, so I would have to call at a certain time and make sure that if I was on the phone with him, I told him the right time. That it was or else things wouldn't add up. You know what I mean? So, but me, my mother, and my sister were all in on this. I'm living in my sister, I'm living in my sister's apartment in Brooklyn, pretending that I'm in Alaska with my fucking stepfather, who's about 15 miles away from me, who's witnessing the same weather as I am, but I'm telling him it's fucking snowing and it's fucking frozen tundra. So I meet my ex-girlfriend at the time. Um me and my ex-girlfriend get an apartment together on East 12th and Avenue T. Uh, I'm living with my ex-girlfriend still, quote-unquote, on the lam from my stepfather pretending I'm in Alaska. So now, and now it comes to the time where I'm supposed to really legitimately be getting out of the Air Force. So I got to do something, you know? So we put a plan together. My mother, me, my ex-girlfriend, and my sister. I'm going to shave off my fucking facial hair. I'm going to fucking get a nice fucking military haircut. Because I was fucking rough at the time. This is the mid-90s. I had the hairdo. I had the fucking... I still have a hairdo, but it was a little fucking crazier. <clears throat> you know? So, I tell my fucking stepfather that, yeah, my flight is coming in, blah, blah, blah. But don't come to the airport because I have my boys coming to pick me up. Like my boy Danny and my boy Vinny and Matt and fucking and, and James. So he's like, all right, that's fine. But really, my ex-girlfriend is driving me from Brooklyn to Howard Beach. I'm nowhere near a fucking airport. So she drops me off. <laughs> this is so nuts. She drops me off on the corner of my house. And I'm like, all right, I'll see you in a couple of days. I'll see you in a couple of days. Um, so I fucking, 
I walk down my block with my fucking camouflage on and my backpack, my rucksack. I haven't worn this shit in like a year and a half. Like a year and a half, I'm fucking pretending I'm in Alaska so that this jerk-off doesn't throw it in my mother's face that her son's a fuck-up. Okay? I fucking... I ring the doorbell, and there's my mother gritting her teeth and looking at me with a half a smile because my mother was the fucking coolest, man. With a half a smile, she's like, yeah, how you doing, asshole? Like, you're fucking such an asshole. I'm like, hey, haven't seen these in a long time. I'm fucking so glad I'm home. And she's hugging me in my city. It was a fucking spectacle. Academy Award winners, yo. No, my fucking, my sister's hugging me. Hey, you fucking dick. Whispers in my ear. And then fucking Ronnie Cigars, who's in the dark. Oh, how was your flight? You fucking, you're just so dumb. You know, if you just fucking sat down and wasn't thinking about yourself for the whole fucking, for your entire life, you might be able to put, you know, pieces together. But no, because he can give a shit less. So I wind up fucking staying at home for like four days. And now I make up a story. Now, my stepfather never fucking met my ex-girlfriend, ever. My mother and my sister at that time have. So I come up with this thing because Ronnie Cigars is half oblivious. So I'm like, yeah, dad, remember, uh, remember that girl I was kind of seeing before I went to the Air Force, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, uh, I don't, I don't know. I'm like, oh, well, she got her own apartment, and, you know, you know, I haven't stopped talking to her the entire time I was in the Air Force, and uh, I think I'm going uh, to go move in with her, because, you know, I've been on my own for, you know, for this long. I can't fucking live with my parents no more. He's like, oh, uh, that's great. Cool. <laughs> so easy. So... <laughs> So nuts. So she winds up like three, like four days later. I'm like, I'm like, so-and-so, you need to come and fucking get me out of here. And you're going to meet my fucking stepfather and it's going to be a whole fucking deal. And there was probably a little plan of like what to say, where you met me and when. I don't remember. But I met this girl after I got kicked out of the Air Force, mind you. So, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> I wind up obviously... Never stopped living with my ex-girlfriend at the time. Uh, bunch of friends, fucking, it was a party house. It was fucking party central. You know, it was it was a one bedroom. It was like brand new. It was $750 a month, gas electric included. And a fucking good neighborhood. It's unheard of now. The, uh, the apartment itself was illegal as shit. You know, the fucking landlords were Ginzaloons right off the boat grease balls. Umberto Anzalone. You can't get more Ginzaloon than that. And that's not even a fake name. His name was Umberto Anzalone. Come on, man. So, uh, yeah, that lasts for about a year and a half or so. We start brawling because we used to start having drunken fights, this, that. And the other thing, I wind up throwing her out. She goes back to mommy. Now, I'm alone in this apartment, and I'm going fucking bananas. I'm fucking, I'm fucking smoking dust, and I'm fucking eating ecstasy and acid and drinking like an animal, fucking late for work, this, that, and the other thing. Fucking craziness, you know? Just not fucking cool. Um... I wind up going back on rent. Um, this is where it kind of gets a little foggy because I, 
I started getting really bad. Um, I don't remember exactly when I lived where or with who, whose house I was couch surfing on. Um, it's kind of a blur. I tried to think about this before I press record and uh, it's, it's difficult, but you'll probably, you'll get the gist. Um, I'm surprised I'm even going this long and I still have some more to go. So, I don't know. Hopefully you're enjoying this. I don't know. Um, um, ba, 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 ba. Where am I? Where am I? I'm looking at my notes now. All right. All right, Avenue T. All right. Then I wind up for some weird reason. I got a job at a deli. 101 Deli in Rockaway. Because at the time, I kind of burned my bridges with all... I used to work at bel delis and bagel stores and shit. You know, cash. You know, I worked at Bagel Boy and, you know, for, for on and off for years. Because I was cool with the boss. And, you know, he he would he never fired me. But, like, you know, I would have fired me a lot of times. I'd be hammered. I'd be drinking all of his beer out of his fucking beer case. You know, there's fucking... Some shit happened in the store and, you know, it was, it was, it was crazy, but he was young and he was kind of fucking crazy too. And so was I. And, you know, so it was like, whenever like I got out of the air force, I needed a job, you know, even though I'm living with my sister, you know, I went, you know, Benny, I'm like, give me a job. He's like, yeah. He's like, you want to start tomorrow? I'll put you on full time. Like it was one of those places where if I needed cash, I can go there. And I know that since I was cool with him, He'll give me a full-time job. I mean, at the time, I mean, it's not a lot of money, but, you know, $12 an hour, fucking $13 an hour off the books, you know, in fucking 1999, 1990, actually 1998, you know, it was better than nothing, you know? So if I worked fucking, you know, 50 hours a week, you know, I had party money or money to give my sister towards rent or something. It's better than sitting on my ass and fucking, you know, mooching, you know? can't mooch can't be a sponge bastard so um ba, 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 ba. oh yeah so i wind up for some reason in rockaway with a job and that was a so i remember that was the summer of 2002 and i had like six different jobs i mean i don't know about six i'm gonna say four during that summer because i'd get thrown out or i would just quit because i didn't like it because I was at this meant uh, at this time frame, I was such a drunk bastard that I didn't give a fuck. I honestly, I just didn't give a fuck. Um, my parent, my, my mother and my stepfather had bought a house in Florida. They were in Florida. They still had the house in Howard Beach, and I wanted to touch on this before because it, it plays an immense part of where this story is going. In 1987, they bought a house in upstate New York, um, two miles from the original Woodstock site, actually, um, in a place called White Lake Homes. Um, just that, but that's a fucking done deal from Philly, is my fucking phone ringer, my whatever. Um, Fuck that caller, man. It wasn't even someone that I knew. It was just a phone number that came up, and they just fucked me up. Um, Jesus Christ. 
All right, yeah, Rockaway. I had a whole bunch of jobs. I'm going to start skipping this shit. Um, I wound up living with my sister again, saving money to get myself back on my feet to get another apartment because I moved out of my Avenue T apartment like in the middle of the night because I owed the guy Mad Dog rent and I got the fuck out of there. Um, wound up getting another apartment. Oh, fuck you. Wound up getting another apartment. Um, um, didn't last very long because once I was alone again, um, I started, I, I kind of sobered up, you know, a little bit. I went to AA meetings and, um, you know, I got my shit together for about six months and I saved up money and I got my own apartment again, um, on West 10th street between S and T in Gravesend. And, uh, that lasted, I don't know. I, I was there maybe two weeks and next thing you know, I decided, Hey, let me smoke a bag of weed. And next thing you know, I'm drinking like an animal. Next thing you know, I'm fucking smoking fucking blunts with fucking blow in it and fucking doing blow and fucking, you know, just, just, just not good in my head, just depressed, miserable because all of the party and like, listen, back in the early nineties, you know, going to the limelight and having out of body experiences because I'm on so much acid and dust and this and that. I had no responsibilities and it was actually that it was that time time frame where it was fun. You know, it was fun. It was kind of like a rite of passage at that time for us kids, I guess where we grew up. I don't know. It was like you, you that that's what you did. You know? Hardcore shows, metal shows, go to the limelight on Sunday night. If there's a cool band, cool, but the place is so huge that it doesn't make a difference because it's a hip hop room. There's a fucking mainstay, you know. Go there, and I used to tell everybody, I'm like, all right, I'm going to smoke, meaning angel dust, and I'm going to go run laps. And I used to try to legitimately get myself lost in the limelight. Like, legit. Like, that was fun. <laughs> okay? So, all that stuff, you know, it, after a while, it ain't fucking fun no more. So, I'm sitting alone in this apartment, and I'm a mess. I'm a mess. Um, times, you know, I, I'm fucking... You know, I'm fighting with my mother. Why? Because I'm just, because I know that I'm being a piece of shit and I'm in a rut. And for some reason, I can't fucking get out of it. Like a piece of shit. And I knew I was doing piece of shit things. And I felt like a loser because at the time, I was, you know? And I don't buy into that this is thing is a disease shit. I, I don't. It's a fucking choice. You know, people with a disease don't have a fucking choice. You know, yes, are people more susceptible to it? Is it kind of hereditary? Yeah, but I don't consider it a disease. Because right now, I haven't had a drink or a drug in over three years. I'm not afflicted with a disease. If I decide right now to go to the fucking bodega and go grab a beer, that's a choice. It's a stupid choice, and I'm not going to do that. But... I'm not going to say my disease fucking told me to. That's a fucking cop-out. I don't care. You can have your own opinion about it. It's a fucking cop-out. It's a weak fucking crutch cop-out. Just to be like, oh, it's, it's a way to not fucking own up and fucking have responsibility for your own fucking stupid fucking actions. I have a disease. No, you don't. No, you don't. Um, so, long story short, I wind up going to fucking daytop rehab voluntarily 
16 months to the day. Three weeks in Rockaway for in-processing, 13 months to the day in upstate Rhinebeck, New York, Springwood. 13 months upstate main treatment. That right there can be a fucking eight-hour podcast, but I am not going to get into all of that, but it was fucking bananas, okay? Met one of my best friends, my friend Ian Schaefer, amazing tattoo artist there. Um, still, he's like my brother. Um, craziness. I'm going to skip past that. I get out of rehab. Um, I live with my sister again. At this time now, she's with her now husband. We call him the baby rhino because he's like a half a midget. Because he fell off like an overpass or some shit when he was like 15 and he broke his back and shit. But he's a jerk off, so that's why I can fucking call him a fucking because he looks like a baby, right? He has like a bald head and a big nose, and he's short and he's fucking fat. So that's Anthony, the baby rhino. Yeah, good looking guy. Um, <laughs> um, so I'm living with them once again till I get on my feet. At this time, I get a phone call from Benny. The owner of Bagel Boy. Jimmy. I'm like, what the fuck? How'd you get my number? So-and-so gave me a number. All right, well, what's going on? He's like, yo, you all right now? I'm like, what do you mean? He said, I don't know, man. I know you weren't, haven't been in the neighborhood. Everybody knows that you got, everybody knows that something happened to Jimmy because he's not around. And I was everywhere all the time. There was rumors there's a there's a rumor I I won't even say it on here what people thought I was fucking doing it's fucking nuts people come up with their own shit and run with it man and it's just based on I don't know what the fuck you know there was there was a rumor I was dead there was fucking rumors I was in California I don't know why people would pick California of all places I don't I don't fucking know where any of this shit comes from. Um, so basically he had opened up a store in Jersey, a bagel boy in Jersey, and he helped me out, you know, um, I try not to say anything really bad about people except for my fucking sister because she did some fucked up shit at my jerk off stepfather, you know, pe people over the years, you know, I get into fights, this, that, I really don't hold any animosity over anybody, you know, I, I really don't. You know, especially, especially like friends or exes or anything like that. Because, listen, maybe I should have had better judgment. Maybe I had a little bit of a part to play. Am I going to fucking, you know, uh, are people assholes? Yeah, but you know what? Eh, it's not a big deal. Life goes on. You know, you can't pick you know, another cliche thing. You can't pick your family. So, listen. Yeah, family members are scumbag sometimes. And I call it how I see it. I'm not going to fucking sugarcoat it, you know? Um, so... He helps me out. Benny helps me out. He's like, dude, I'll get you the fuck out of your sister's house. Fucking come to Jersey. I need somebody to manage the store. Everybody out here is half a white trash and doesn't know how to fucking do a job. You know, I'll pay you nice. I'll help you get an apartment. We'll get you your fucking license back. We'll get you a fucking car. You know, and, and, and you'll be back to normal. All right, man. Sounds good. What the fuck am I doing here anyway? I need to get the fuck out of here and change my fucking scenery. So I do that. Um, I go to Jersey. I go to Old Bridge. Um, go to Old Bridge. Um, meet my fucking, my ex-wife. <laughs> Bagel boy. 
the mother of my daughter. Um, you know, working there, I instantly hated it because it's fucking, I started working at Bagel Boy 4th of July weekend, like 1991. It's fucking 2004, man. No, 2000, it's 2006. Even better. I'm in a fucking bagel store again. You know? I used to turn wrenches on fucking multi, multi, multi million dollar fucking aircraft. You know? Well, it's pretty crazy that like, you know, they, they, we would get a call in the back shop and and the pilot's like, yeah, you know, something's wrong with the plane. And we go out to the flight line, which is the runway, and troubleshoot it, find out what's going on, literally pull the fucking entire engine out of the ass of the plane, put it on a fucking trailer, bring it to the shop. Break that shit down, find out what the deal is, this, that, and the other thing, fucking all kinds of crazy intricate stuff and tools and, you know, and then we slap this whole fucking thing back together. We put it back on the rack and we, on the rails and we fucking, we bring it back out to the flight line, shove it back into the ass of the plane. And when you watch that fucking F-15 fighter jet take off again with no problem. It's kind of a fucking cool feeling that you that, that you did, you know, you had a part to play in doing that. But here I am in some fucking rural fucking armpit of America, New Jersey fucking area, getting balked at by some fucking jerk off because his fucking coffee isn't sweet enough that I made him. You know? So I'm fucking hating shit. It's like, this is my fucking life. What the fuck, man? You know, but it's all, listen, and I'm not blaming anybody but myself. If maybe if I would have fucking stayed in school and, and decided not to fucking drink fucking 40s and smoke blunts and eat acid in fucking science class, maybe my life would have fucking, bit, you know, turned out a little bit better. But I'm not the type of people that, oh, it's, I'm on some, the whole fucking world is against me shit. Nah, man. I made some dumb fucking decisions. And these are the consequences that you fucking get when you make stupid decisions at an early age. And I'm not one to preach. I'm telling my fucking, my perspective here. You know? Um, so I'm hating shit. So now I get in touch with an old, an old buddy of mine from the Air Force who I know he was out of the Air Force and he wound up getting a job working with planes. I call him. Yo, so-and-so, you need to get me a job? Yeah. You would have to relocate yourself. But once you, you know, but yeah. Like, all right, where are the spots open? Like, there's a spot up in Vancouver. There's a spot open in Seattle. And there's a spot in Miami. Like, Miami. My parents are 40 minutes away from there in Hallandale. I think I might be going to fucking Miami. Fuck this shovel and snow bullshit. So then the huge question, and the, the, the question, it sounds nuts, but the one question that changed a lot, changed everything, changed the entire dynamic of my life from that point on. At the time, she was my girlfriend. Ex, my ex-wife, standing in my apartment in, in, in Old Bridge in New Jersey. So listen, I can't be buttering fucking for the rest of my life. This is a bunch of horse shit. So, I'm going to be getting a job in Miami. 
I put it just like this. If you want to come with me, you can come. But if you if but if you don't want to come, I'm still going. I gave her an option. She came with me. Um if she didn't come with me, really 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 good chance that my daughter wouldn't be here right now. Um so I go down to Miami. Everything is cool. Um Side note that plays all into this. Um, my sister is trying to get all sorts of fucking knocked up to contaminate the planet with this fucking baby rhino, right? But, you know, he's fucking shooting blanks and her fucking, her fucking insides are like a fucking desert. So, two dead batteries can't start a car, you know what I mean? So she starts to go for like this in vitro, this, that, you know, he'll jerk off in a fucking Petri dish and they'll do something to it. They'll put it in the centrifuge, you know, put it back up there, you know, with a fucking turkey plunger and see if a fucking baby happens. Whatever, the, however the fuck they do it. Jimmy the doctor. Um, But now he's a half a fucking loser and he fucking, he just keeps on asking Ronnie Cigars for money. Now. This is it's no good, you know. He's 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 asking, borrowing tens of thousands of dollars and paying him back to try to get his stepdaughter, my sister, knocked up with their quote unquote grandkid. So all this shit starts making turmoil between it puts my mother in a weird spot because it's my mother's daughter. Ronnie never really fucking embrace us as his like we'll be his kids when things are good but when things aren't good you know they're my mother's kids you know that kind of bullshit scumbag scumbag fat fuck so there's a lot of turmoil going on there all right now i'm fucking in miami now i keep on hearing all this shit your sister that, your sister this, blah, blah, blah. Now, I'm still on good terms at that time with my sister. So it's like, oh, why am I in the middle? First of all, you guys are wrong on certain aspects, and she's fucking wrong, too. Everybody just needs to fucking grow the fuck up and have a conversation like adults, and everything will be smoothed out. And I said that 900 times. Until eventually, until eventually, my sister at one point didn't fucking speak to my mother for three years. And then the last time she spoke to her was at a certain point where I'll get to soon. Um, all right, so I'm in Miami, um, work is on and off, um, with this, with this, um, basically what I was doing, I was, I was working on fuel cells, uh, the gas tanks of airplanes, basically, and if you don't know where the gas is on, like, a commercial airliner, the wings are fucking gas tanks, to put it very, very fucking simply. So, like, my day would consist of, like, you know, six, eight hours in, literally inside the wings of a plane doing shit. Um, but work was on and off, and I couldn't live like that. So, I wound up transferring companies, and I wound up moving, Jesus Christ, to fucking a little tiny shit-kicking town in North Carolina called King, North Carolina. King, K-I-N-G. Like, fucking uh, population fucking 17 and a half. Because there was the midget. I don't know. I just made that up. 
I'm stupid. Um, that lasted eight months. Gone. Gone. So now, around this time, my ex-wife winds up getting pregnant. Um, with my daughter. Um, so we went from Miami to North Carolina. After North Carolina, we went back to Brooklyn. And it's weird, ironically, I wound up moving on the same block as where my sister lived, where I fucking wound up living with her. Um, that's where I got out of rehab, Bay 28th Street, between 86th Street and Benson Avenue. Um, then after that, my daughter, my daughter was born. My daughter was born September 18th, 2009. Um, I'm, but mind you, I'm still sober at this point. Like I wound up getting seven years sober behind rehab. Um, then, then we wound up, we got out of Brooklyn because my daughter was born and it was just, it was just, a, it was a small apartment and my ex, my ex's, um, father was like listen why don't you just why don't you just come move here because at that time he had thrown his wife out my ex-mother-in-law he threw her out so the house was open for the most part he's like listen guys come back here we'll figure things out at least you'll have space no big deal blah blah, blah. all right cool so we do that for a little while um but you know this is where I feel, you know, I, I do, I absolutely have some guilt, um, but I don't dwell on that shit because I'm a different person today than I was, I don't know, fucking eight years ago, nine years ago. Um, me and her, we wound up getting into an argument over something. I couldn't even tell you what the fuck it was, but for a long time, I always had like these, you know, in recovery, they call, you know, I had like these reservations in the back of my head and I kind of knew. That one day, I'll most likely start drinking again. Which I knew was also a fucking stupid fucking thing if I did. And it was festering. And we got into an argument over something. I was like, fuck this. And I fucking walked out of the house. And I drove around for like a half hour. And I found like this fucking dirty fucking dive bar. Where there was actually like carpet on the floor. Like two old men... And, like, right behind the bar, there was, like, a case of beer that they would fucking sell you a bottle out of. It was fucking some white trash fucking Jersey shit. And I remember I drank four Heinekens and two shots of Jack Daniels, and I was fucking bombed out of my face. But that started off a really bad trend. Um, especially, not good timing, Jim. You know? My daughter was just born. You know? Um... And it's fucked up. You know, it's fucked up. But I eventually, obviously, I cleaned up my act. Um, so, yeah. Um, so, I don't know. Some drunken thing. I don't remember exactly. But me and my ex-wife's father had it out. Because there was some tension between them two. Between my ex-wife and her father. And she was way too quiet like to fucking address it. I don't remember exactly what it was, so but I addressed it, and I decided to address it when I had, like, a bottle of vodka in me. <laughs> Not a good fucking choice, once again. Jerk-off move on my part. Because shit escalated. And then, basically, he wanted us to fuck out. Because he wasn't having it. But it wound up turning out 
that it was all the shit that I fucking threw at him was the truth. And he didn't like that. But regardless, I shouldn't have did what I did when I did it because of the circumstances. Like, my daughter should have been first and foremost. And drinking, it's fucked up. Because I have that bug. My real father was an alcoholic. My real father's mother was an alcoholic. On that side of the family, it all runs. And I'm not making excuses because it, obviously it is my choice. But when I do make that stupid decision and I start fucking drinking, all bets are off. All bets are fucking off. And it's disgusting. And it's fucking sad. And it's pathetic. It's fucking pathetic and disgusting. Um, so we wind up fucking getting an apartment in, I believe it was East Brunswick, New Jersey, me, my ex and my daughter. Um, I was, uh, I don't remember what the fuck I was doing. I wound up being the maintenance guy, like in the apartment complex. Cranberry crossing was the name of it. Um, so I'm drinking. Things are not good between me and my ex. It's just fighting, turmoil. It's, you know, just not good. Um, so, shit winds up going down once again between my mother, my sister, and my stepfather and my sister's husband. Um, some, yeah, so some, some shit happens over money. It was all over money. Um, it was like $3,000 or some shit like that at the time. Um, so I'm probably cutting out a lot of things here, but, um, my parents were snowbirds, you know, they were, they were, I could say my parents, but my stepfather and my mother, you got it at this point. I'm fucking, how far am I? Jesus, an hour and 37 minutes. Um, they're snowbirds. Like they lived most of the year in, in Florida and for the summer they would fly. And at this point they had sold the house in Howard beach. There's no reason to have three mortgages. Me and my sister are out and they would just go from Florida to the house upstate in the summertime, summer community, beautiful. It was beautiful, clean, beautiful neighborhood, beautiful community. Right next door was a huge community pool. And there was like a clubhouse where if you remember the movie Dirty Dancing, it was like a, a, a better version of that. But like Friday nights and Saturday nights, it would be like a comedian and like some kind of a fucking, some kind of a musical thing. You know, Agnostic Front ain't playing up there. Doing fucking Frank Sinatra fucking covers for the old people up there. And there was a bar and a concession stand and whatnot. And it was cool. I would spend a lot of my summers up there when I was a young kid. You know, I had my own boat. You know, I, before I even had my driver's license, I had my own boat, a little speed boat. You know, I was like fucking 12 or 13, you know, and it was fucking cool. I was like little Opie Cunningham. I'd be like a fucking white trash, little fucking Jimmy fucking Ferrari. Walking around barefoot, fucking a compound bucket in my hand with fucking frogs in it and fishing rod and shit. It was cool. It was, it was, I was out of the city for a couple, for a few summers there. And it was cool because I met a lot of fucking people that, well, a couple of them have passed away, unfortunately, fucking young, my age. But uh, it was fun as a kid. So everybody needs to fucking stop posting on Facebook because they're fucking up my fucking pidcast. Um, so my parents would fucking fly up 
and stay in the house upstate over the summertime. And yeah, I'm probably skipping a lot, but whatever. Um, I, <sighs> here we go. Jesus. All right. It's a rough one. But I was drinking one day. Now, mind you, I used to speak to my mother three times a day. At least. Up to the point like, Ma, uh, you just called me a half hour ago. What else could be going on? You know? But I'd give anything to have that back. Um, I'm fucking... I'm drinking like an animal at this point. Me and my ex are on the rocks. I've had enough of her shit. And I couldn't even tell you what that was. That was fucking happened. Um, she didn't help matters either, though, honestly. I'm not going to get into that because I'm not bad-mouthing people. I, I can't. At the end of the day, she's the mother of my kid. That's just how it is. And that's that. Um, so... I'm drinking, and I, I go to the store, and I, I remember vividly, um, I got, it was like a fucking, a pint of Svedka vodka in a blue bottle. Like, oh, fancy. So I'm drinking, and the night before, I had spoken to my mother on the phone. She was upstate. Um, it was the summer. It was... It was September 18, 2011, as a matter of fact. Um, I'm on the phone with her. We're talking about how coming up, we have a trip to Disney World for my daughter's second birthday. Not that she would remember it, and she doesn't remember it, but that was the plan. And there was like some county fair or something that we had gone to the summertime, the, the summer before. We had like rides and stuff, and we were talking about going to that the following weekend. Um, I got off the phone with her and she said, okay, Jim, I love you. Kiss my girls for me, meaning my daughter and my ex-wife. All right, ma. All right, all right, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Talk to you tomorrow. Normal conversation. Um, fast forward next day. I wake up. Um, I guess me and my ex had argued or something like that. And she was like, why don't you go upstate and go fucking go, go, go visit your mother or something like to get out of here. And I'm like, no. I'm like, J just because you told me to do that. Now I'm not going to do that. You know what I'm saying? Like, no, fuck you. I'm staying here. Um, so. I try to call my mother. You know, I call the house phone upstate, no answer. I call a cell phone, no answer. But I don't think anything because my mother used to jog around the community. My mother used to go to the pool. My, you know, it, 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 there was no reason to think anything. A um, couple of times I kept calling. Um, I even asked my ex, speak to my mother today. This was about three o'clock in the afternoon, two, three o'clock in the afternoon. Like speak to my mother. No, I tried to call it. No, I was like, all right. Well, I think I even said, well, that's weird. But then 
I kept on going about my day. Um, then, uh, I'll be honest, <laughs> I was in the bathroom and I had the bottle of vodka. And I was, I mean, she, my ex knew that I was fucking drunk, but I would sneak it. Like, not to, uh, like, like, like that made a fucking difference. Like, yeah, I'm hammered, but you can't see the bottle. Like, just fucking drunken, fucking jerk off fucking mentality. But, um, so I'm in the bathroom and the fucking bottle of vodka is like right on the sink, right to my left. And the house phone rings and 30 seconds later, my ex opens up the bathroom door and hands me the house phone. And I'm like, hello. And it's my stepfather in, in Florida. And he's crying. And he's screaming. She's gone. She's gone. She's gone. I'm like, who's gone? Mom. What? And I lose my shit. I lose my fucking shit. Um, I went outside. I broke shit. I'm flipping out. The vodka ain't helping me. It's not helping the situation. Um, now I got to put together a plan real quick. Um, my ex-mother-in-law lived in a different part of Jersey. She needs to come to my house so she can watch my daughter so that me and my ex can jump in the car and go upstate and find out what the fuck is going on. From that point, it was about, it's usually about an hour and 45 minutes from that part of Jersey, two hours maybe to get to the house. It took us like three and a half hours because it was fucking torrential downpours. Um, I hope that this fucking shit is still recording. Um, it's torrential fucking downpour. I remember I had to pay. I had to use the bathroom. We stopped. I think for gas and I had to pay. I walked into like some rest stop. And I remember walking in there and I threw up like right in the middle of their floor. And I think I forgot about peeing and got back in the car. And we made it back upstate. We made it to upstate. Now, the house was always fucking lit up. Always. And it was just very fucking weird that there was not one light on in the house. Um, we drove up to the back road behind the house. And I walked into the clubhouse where, you know, like I mentioned that there was, um, you know, um, you know, comedians and shit play. So I walk in there. I think it was like fucking bingo night or some bullshit. And um, I don't remember who, but somebody fucking came over to me and hugged me. And I went to the house right behind my house. And I asked what the fuck is going on. Yeah. Um, I'm in shock. I'm bugging. I don't know what to think. My mind is scrambled eggs. 
She was my best friend. She was the best. She was the type of woman that, it was 2011, she was 61. She looked like she was 45 and she acted like she was 25. All my friends loved her because she was fucking cool. She was cool. She got it. Like she, she understood shit. Like she, she grew with the times. She was not stuck in fucking 19 fucking 60. You know, she was fucking, she was hip. She ruled. Um, so I go to the house. I won't mention their names. Um, but somebody sat me down. And told me, see now this, this, now this is what I'm all about to say right now is what I was told, but there's a lot of this that I don't fucking buy. I don't buy it for a fucking second. At first I did. Because of my mind state and the shock and the confusion. But I was sat down by a friend of a friend in that house, behind my house. He told me to sit down and he told me that my mother died of a self-inflicted gunshot wound. Um, I call bullshit all day long. I call fucking bullshit. Um, I called my stepfather who was in Florida and I basically relayed that message to him. Why would she do this? Why would she do this? Yeah, exactly. Why would she do this? Um, it seems a little convenient that a couple of uh, Ronnie Cigars' quote-unquote friends wound up going to the house. My house. And removing the mattress that my mother died on. It's a little weird. That mattress was destroyed. At some sort of a sanitation depot in Queens. Um... The house right next door to the house that that they owned, the house, you know, the main summer house. The house right next to it, he had recently bought about two years before because the people up there were never up there. So he got it for a really cheap price. And it was like the Ferrari compound up there, two houses next door to each other. And that summer he had rented it to a couple. Um so now 
There's a couple of questions I want to ask you, people who are listening. If you, just picture it. First of all, my mother hated guns. Hated them. Never shot one in her life. And still to this day, in my gut, still don't think she shot a gun ever in her life. Um, what's the first place that you think of somebody shoots themselves if they're going to commit suicide? Think about it. Where are the places you would put a gun if you were to kill yourself? You would put it, I'm thinking, I'm thinking that you are thinking you would either put it to the side of your temple in your mouth, or under your chin. Right? Okay. Keep those options in your head for a minute. The people that rented the house next door, it was told to me that they heard doors slamming and a ruckus going on and a whole bunch of shit happening. And those, that couple grabbed all their shit and fucking bounced and never came back to that house that they were renting. Okay? Keep that in your mind. Okay? There were two bullet holes. One in a picture above my mother's bed frame above the headboard there was a picture there was a bullet hole in a picture and then there was a bullet hole in the ceiling um okay so there's two bullet holes there people next door hear a big fucking ruckus going on they leave now back to where would you shoot yourself under your chin, in your mouth, or on your temple. Especially for somebody who never shot a gun in her life. Why was my mother's bullet wound an inch and a half below her right ear? The back of her head, an inch and a half below her right ear. You answer me that. Now, the people heard a ruckus going on, doors slamming, this and that. I don't know. I'm not a fucking cop, I'm not a fucking detective. It all kind of fucking common sense is, sounds like there was some sort of a struggle, some sort of a fight. Couple, couple shots go off, struggle for a gun, another shot goes off, goes into the ceiling, 
Then my mother gets restrained, put on her face, and shot in the back of the head. Now, there's a lot of shit that goes along with that, which I'm not going to get into right now. And there's reasons why I won't get into it. Maybe if I do a part two, I'll give you an update. So, 61 years old. For some reason, it's ruled a suicide. Um, But there's people that know more. Guaranteed. But they're probably just too scared to talk. I'm not fucking scared to talk. Um, I had it out with Ronnie Cigars. Told him all about himself. Everyone's scared of him. I'm not. Told him that. I was in his face a couple of times. Alone. In the house upstate. Nose to nose. I'm right here. Nobody around. He did fucking nothing. Nothing. Nobody ever approached him like that. He did zero. Fuck you. Fuck you. So I find out a whole bunch of shit. Relationships. Triple, quadruple lives he was leading with fucking women before, you know, during. And currently from my mother. But he'll be the first one to to tell you you respect your mother. You fucking fat fucking scumbag. Um, so, after all that, I start fucking going into fucking insane fucking... Insane fucking drinking, fucking self-destructive. Not cool. And looking back, nah, man, I didn't fucking handle it like a quote-unquote man, I guess you would say. I was fucking broken, bro. My mother was my rock. My mother protected me. My mother was awesome. She was my best friend. I could talk to her like I would talk to one of my boys. Um, so now during all this time, my sister hadn't spoken a word to my mother or Ronnie Cigars in three years. Not a birthday card, Christmas card, not a phone call, nothing. And there was so much shit being spoken. You know, now just to remember, just to remind you, me and my sister are a product of the same father and the same mother. Ronnie Cigars has zero, no blood relation. At my mother's wake, at my mother's open casket wake on Day Hill Road in Brooklyn, my sister walks into that room and sees Ronnie Cigars for the first time in three years. And the first thing out of her fucking cocksucker is... You know, Dad, I always loved you. You know why? She's an opportunist. Let's get on his good side. Because I want some fucking inheritance. Because her baby rhino fucking husband can't hold a good job. 
and she pulls all the weight. Fast forward. My mother was ruled deceased on August 19, 2000, uh, 2011. August 25th, we bury her. August 26th, my sister fucking says everything that my mother literally took to the grave about me to my stepfather. He got kicked out of the Air Force. He never graduated high school. This, that, the other thing. Every fucking thing. Literally told my fucking stepfather everything that my mother literally took to the grave. Cunt. Cunt, cunt, raggy, fucking cunt. Rat, cunt. Okay? So, I have it out with Ronnie Cigars. Ronnie Cigars fucking takes me, my daughter, and my ex-wife off of the will. Now, I can give a fuck about the money. It's the principle of you're a scumbag because you get called out on your shit and then you fucking cut people off monetarily. I don't care about the money. I'll fucking struggle all day long. I don't give a fuck. I'll go to fucking work. I earn every dime that I fucking make. It's not a lot, but I fucking earn it. But you cut my fucking daughter out. And that was my mother's fucking pride and joy that her son gave her her first grandchild and you cut her out. You deserve to die in a ditch, you fat fuck Ronnie Cigars. Okay. Um, I will, uh, I'll give you about another few more minutes. Um, I wind up getting sober. Um, well, I can't just jump right to that. I wind up working a shit job. Um, we wind up, I move out of Jersey, me, my ex-wife, my daughter, and my stepfather. Before I had it really out with him big time, we wind up getting uh, an apartment, but it was like a half of a house in Howard Beach. I wound up do, you, uh, working for a plumbing company for Ronnie Cigars' fucking friend, Paulie. And this, I'm not making any of this shit up. People who know me know these stories. Um, wind up doing this plumbing job. It sucked. I call up my boy Danny from Howard Beach, who I hung out with and had, used to party with all the time. He was a custodian in, in, a, in a school. Yo, man, can you get me a job in the school? He's like, yeah, I can't guarantee you it, but I can hire you for summer help. And, you know, if I can get you a spot somewhere, I will. The day before I leave the plumbing job, Danny calls me and he's like, yo, I'm getting transferred to a brand new school in Bay Ridge that hasn't even opened up yet. And I, I have no crew. I'm like, really? He's like, yeah, you're on my crew. You're in. 120 days, get my union book. Beautiful. So I wind up getting that. Um, um, I have it out with Ronnie Cigars. We wind up moving back to Jersey. Um, since I did drag my ex up and down the East Coast, Miami, North Carolina, Brooklyn, blah, 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 blah. We found a place, and it was two doors down, literally, from her brother. Um, and her brother has two kids. 
So I'm like, all right, this is kind of cool. I don't give a fuck. I'll drive back and forth to Brooklyn. Um, it's expensive with the tolls and all that, but who gives a fuck? You're next to your family. My daughter can grow up with her cousins. Cool. Um, but then I'm not going to start doing this because then I'll wind up shit talking and I'm not going to do that. Um, but this is just my story, so I'm going to keep the focus on me with this with certain things. Um, I was drinking like an animal. Um, still, I'm in a rut. Um, that's just what it was. And uh, me and my ex, we, we were just not on good terms. Um, I'd work the night shift. She would work the morning shift. We would never see each other. And every time I would speak to her on the phone, it would just be a fucking brawl shouting match. And one thing led to another. Um, I wound up getting thrown out of the house. Um, bounced around here and there. My boy Ian took me in for a little bit. A um, couple of other people who I will not mention because I don't speak to them anymore. Uh, not because of when I was living with them, but for other petty, nonsensical things. Um, I wound up burning all my bridges. Um, I wound up living in my truck mm, summer of 2014. I was pretty much living in my truck. I would open up a bar, close the bar. I'd go to the school where I work to shower, to do my laundry. At the time, I didn't have my nice hairdo right now. So I would just shave my head. If you looked at me, you wouldn't think anything. I was living in my truck. Um, one thing led to another. Uh, I'm sitting, it's about five o'clock in the morning in my truck, smoking a cigarette, drinking a beer. Real white trash shit. I literally had a fucking white tank top on and basketball shorts. Fresh out of fucking Cops, Alabama, bro. That's what it looked like. And the fucking next thing you know, there's cops and like an EMT, you know, an ambulance and fucking knocking on my window and there's flashlights. Now I'm sitting in the back seat of my truck and cops are like, oh, is this your truck? I'm like, yeah. And I don't remember what happened. I don't because I was in a blackout drunk because I was drinking for like fucking 17 hours that day, all day. But next thing you know, I wake up and I'm in Lutheran Hospital. And they admitted me in there. And I don't know why. I was saying crazy shit. I don't know what the fuck was going on. But I wound up going to alcohol withdrawal. I could hardly fucking, fucking sign my name. I, uh, I couldn't even, yeah, I couldn't even sign my name. I'm in fucking Lutheran fucking, like, the fucking loony bin, yo. Like, sit, listen, there's some people that really need to be there. And I'm not even making a joke of it. But there was a few of us that were like, yeah, man, I was fucking hammered. And fucking, I said some crazy shit. Like, at a bar, like outside the bar. And it's like me and like this one guy are like, yo, what the fuck are we doing here? Like, why am I here? Like, I'm legit not crazy. Like, I'm not. I might be opinionated and loud with a Brooklyn accent, and some people might think I'm crazy. But I'm not fucking crazy. I'm very fucking sane, <laughs> you know? 
Oh, well, I guess that's debatable. Hey, hey, Jimmy Insanity. So, two weeks I'm in there. Two fucking weeks, bro. Wearing fucking scrubs and fucking hospital booties. Little booties. No shoelaces because people will hang up. It's fucking crazy. So I get out of there. I wind up going to a 30-day fucking sober house. 30-day sober house after that in Bed-Stuy. Now, after this, I have nowhere to go. I have nowhere to go. And I couldn't go back home for certain reasons. And I won't get into that. Couldn't go back home. I had nowhere to go. So me and a couple of fucking wackos from the sober place decide to get an apartment. I get a shithole apartment in Greenpoint. Now the apartment's probably fucking $9,000 a month. Shithole apartment. A couple of guys I hardly even really fucking know. Because these guys had nowhere to go either. That's what I did. And around this time... And I'm not going to pat myself on the back, but, you know, there's, there's a lot of people in the, in the quote-unquote hardcore scene that hate on me. So I'm just going to set the record straight real quick when it comes to a couple of things about me. when I around, So listen, around this time, I start, I decide that I'm going to start booking shows. You know? It's a good outlet for me. Keeps me busy. Stop booking shows. I do the fucking first Murphy's Law benefit for the veterans. Now, at the time, I'm saving money. You know, I'm working. If Danny wasn't my boss, I would have gotten fired. So, Danny, if you're listening to this, I love you like a fucking brother, man. You helped me out a lot. And you know that. I've told that to you before. But I fucking... I lost my fucking place. What the fuck? Jesus Christ. Oh, yeah. I come up with Blast Furnace Productions. The Murphy's Law Veterans Benefit. You know, I'm saving money. I have a couple of thousand dollars. Now, you gotta mind you, I was just in a fucking loony bin in a fucking, in a fucking sober house. I got dick. I drank all my money before that. I had dick. So I'm saving all of my money living in this shithole with a couple of couple of scumbags and a couple of funny good guys. <laughs> and we're all trying to make shit work. So I'm putting money away to get my own apartment. Um, so I do the Murphy's Law benefit. Over $5,000 I pulled in. You know how easy it could have been to tell every motherfucker on social media and every band and every person that went there that that money went where it was supposed to go? But every single dime, and that's why I, that's why I posted pictures. Over five grand could have went right in my fucking pocket and I could have got an apartment. But no. A little something called fucking integrity. Every dime, and I posted pictures, they're on Instagram, and the check is there, and there's a paper trail, it's all fucking legit, I took pictures with the guys with the check, and it went to where it was supposed to fucking go. I never pocketed a dime from any of my shows. 
is not one. Soundman got paid. If the band has a fucking guarantee, they get paid. And everybody gets paid if the turnout is good. That was always my deal. You know? Leeway played the second veteran's benefit. Every dime went to where it was supposed to go. But it's funny how life works. I'm single at the time. Not looking for nothing. Living in a shithole. Looking for my own apartment. And I meet my now girlfriend, Nikki. And we share an apartment where I'm sitting in right now. Divorce finalized with my ex-wife. I see my daughter every single weekend. As a matter of fact, later on, I'm going to see her in a school play. Sober since October 1st, 2014. This time I have no reservations. This time I can say, I've had enough. And you know when you have enough. So at this point, I've had enough. Um, I think other things revolving my involving my mother's death will come to fruition eventually. Um, I miss her every day. My daughter misses her. I visit her often. I will see her this Sunday. If this comes out on Monday, happy belated Mother's Day to the mothers out there. Um, so yeah, right now, my life is awesome. My daughter is the most amazing little girl ever. My girlfriend rules. She's awesome. My job, it's a good job. I have no complaints. None. I enjoy doing this podcast. Eventually I'll start doing shows again. So yeah. Maybe I'll start maybe I'll do a part two. Or if people people want to know more. Certain things I will not answer on purpose. There's a reason why I won't answer. And it's not because I'm not an open book. It's just because other reasons. Especially surrounding my mother. Other than that, I don't give a fuck. Judge me, blah, blah, blah. Listen, I don't want fucking sympathy. I don't want nothing. I'm just telling my story because that's what it is. This is the first time I've ever done this. I don't fuck it. There's only certain people in my life that I still have, that talk to that even know any of this. I don't fucking put my shit out there like that because I'm not that type of person. You know, if you're friends with me on Facebook, once or twice a year, I'll post a picture of my mother, whether it's Mother's Day or her birthday or something. Other than that, I don't look for sympathy. I don't want pats on the back. I don't want none of that. So don't do that and don't think that this is a fucking a ploy for any of that shit because that shit is fucking corny. 
So if anybody that has heard what I said or have gone through anything that I've said, and there's a lot more. I mean, this is just off the top of my head for the most part. Shit. Okay? So, yeah. But, uh, yeah. Like, a few thank yous. Like, you know, I want to thank my boy Danny. He helped me out a lot. Um, you know, he, he kind of, you know, he gave me my job, you know? Um, I mean, obviously in no particular order. It's just, uh, I'm just, you know, um, I thank my girlfriend for everything. Um, I thank my daughter for just being her, being an eight year, eight year old little kid, curious little crazy you know when I was eight it wasn't a good time for me I'm going to watch her do some lip sync thing tonight at a school play you know she has a different life than I did thank God you know she lives in central Jersey I don't know thank God or not but She's not growing up in fucking Brooklyn, in the concrete jungle, surrounded by the shit that I was surrounded by. It's a different time, but I'm just grateful of that. Um, Jeff Gavin from Dundeal. <laughs> I know I mention them all the time. You know, I put it out there, you know, wondering if I should do something like this. And I was actually surprised. He wrote simply, do it. Kind of made me raise an eyebrow. It's a good dude right there. I respect that dude. All those Philly guys. Vinny Paz. My man. Jeff Gavin. Pablo. Broad Street Breakdown guys. Thanks to Tim Anderson Jr. from the Illustrate News podcast. The one-on-one -on -one that I did with him and this one. He's the one that put the intro and mixed it and stuff like that for me appreciate it man you know the other guys in the Street news podcast Mike and Adam. good guys i like philly people seems like so far they're solid motherfuckers with no drama or at least no no baby drama no oh you unfriended me on facebook now i'm gonna be mad boohoo drama you know Adult-like mentality, for the most part, from what I see. So, respect all you guys. I, noticed, I, I broke this. I broke the record. Howie Abrams, I'm sorry, my man. I broke your record. He was two hours and six minutes. This is two hours, 18 plus. Sorry, I had no idea how long this was going to go. But if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. No fucking time restraints. So, yeah, I guess that might be it. And of course, as soon as I shut this off, there's like 97,000 things that I'm sure I should have fucking said. But like I said, you want to reach out, you know, I don't care. I put this out there so it comes with the territory for, for feedback, whether it's negative or positive. All right. So with that, real quick, instead of fucking going through all the bullshit... Just go to the blast. Go to Instagram at Blast Furnish Productions, right? If you go there, the link in the bio there. If you click that, 
that'll send you to a thing called Linktree. It's very easy. You click that and there'll be a page with every single link that you can find Blast Furnace Productions or the Brooklyn Blast Furnace Podcast, iTunes, SoundCloud, everything. You just, you click one thing, it'll send you somewhere else and you click all that and it'll send you wherever you need to go. So since now you know about that, that's what you can do. SoundCloud and iTunes. Just type in the Brooklyn Blast Furnace and you'll find it. All right. Sorry, this was lengthy. Something that I had to do. Something I kind of wanted to do. Why not? If it helps you, cool. If not, thanks for listening anyway. All right? Much respect, everybody. I'm over here now.